0: And you know I'm at the point in my life where I understand they're probably not making me a pour over right then and there. So I, yeah, I will absolutely, I will absolutely drink it.
1: But <laughs> they're like I have coffee, and you're like, yeah, right.
2: <laughs> Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm here today, as always, with my good friend, Daniel Fox, my co-host, and we have special guests on with us. And you would, of course, remember him if you've been following our episodes. We have Ethan with us from the Take the Coffee podcast. Who has invited himself back on. Um,
0: <laughs> what I do.
2: <laughs> no, actually, it worked out good. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later. Um, it worked out good because there was a subject we came across in our episode with the Take the Coffee guys. Mm-hmm. And it was almost to the end of the episode. So we didn't have time to talk about it. And Ethan says, I have thoughts on this subject. Can I invite myself (laughs) back on? And we're like, yes, absolutely you can. We're a friendly, you know, kind of podcast. We're your friendly neighborhood podcast is what we are. So, yes, (laughs) you can invite yourself back on. That's where we're at today. And
1: we were especially... We were especially thankful because as we looked at the question, we thought, I have no idea what I would say on this. And when so he, when he had thoughts on that, we like, uh, boom, that, that answers the question.
2: Well, no, not really. And, and I don't know yet. I may have spoke too soon because I thought you, Daniel, I thought you had some, some pretty established views about spiritual gifts. I may or may not be wrong about that, but I thought you had waxed eloquent one time about spiritual gifts. And when Ethan was- said- I've got thoughts about that. I was like, ooh, this is going to be interesting. And you were like, wait, I do? (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, that's right. Because you're like, well, Daniel has some, you know, some definite thoughts on that. And I was like, well, I'm looking forward to seeing what they are
2: because I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh well, that'll be a fun one that we'll get into here in a little bit. But before we do anything else, we'd like to first thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash reason together. They are the generous supporters of this podcast. We are thankful for all of you and for all that you do to help keep this show. Absolutely.
1: Okay. So do we just want to jump into that initial question that um spurred on this threesome? This oh morning? no, no, we gotta bury the lead. Oh okay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Okay. Gotta go to something else. <laughs> yeah. And then get to the end and be like, oh we only have five minutes. Sorry. No, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um well I tell you we've the ha- ones, I think. Okay. And we have quite. A, we have a list here of questions. Uh, which, uh, unfortunately for Ethan, he doesn't see or know about, so they're they're pretty <laughs> you know. cold on on him. But uh, yeah. and and I notice about uh, several of them, a number of them, that they are patron questions. Yes, which is great. Uh, our Why listener don't we do questions. Those first? Okay, um, this one was just asked to me the other night, um, and it was basically this. I may not word it exactly as it was originally asked, but. Is a picky eater a poor testimony? So, like, if my kid is a picky eater and we go over to someone's house and they don't like that, is that a poor testimony? What's your take?
2: Hmm. Um, so, so are we defining a picky eater just as a kid who doesn't like things? Okay. Well, that's a good,
1: that's, that's where we would typically start is saying, what do you mean by that? Um, and, and, and so, yes, by picky eater, I would say... Um, and I would have to say the question obviously extends beyond when I'm in my home alone, you know, if I have mm-hmm. the choice between, you know, bologna or ham, I'm going to choose one or the other. Okay. It's not to say that I, I don't dislike some things, but particularly when I'm uh, eating someone else's food and I express <clears throat> that I don't like a certain food then I, I, and, I, and I demonstrate
2: my pickiness. Adult or child, right? Um, What do you think? Yeah, I tend to think yeah that can be a poor testimony. Um, It doesn't mean you're not allowed to have dislikes, Mm -hmm. um, but in the scenario where someone has graciously offered you something, um, if if you can if you can do it, (laughs) better eat it. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Why? (laughs) I think it's an offense. I think it's an offense to someone's good graces. You know, they've, they've been gracious to you and worked hard. Uh, they've put in time out of their life to prepare that thing for you. And you're essentially snubbing their life. Very good. Yes. I think it's a disrespect uh, personally.
1: And like you say, it's, um, it's refusing a gift, which, yes. is, which, is, a, which is hurtful. Yes. Um, um, which, which minimizes what that thing is and what was invested into making it, you know? Right. So, you, may, you, you put, set aside the time, you had us over, you thought of a nice dish, you know, you spent the money on the ingredients, you spent your time and, and put in your expertise to make this thing and then I go, oh, I don't like peaches, you know? Right. Well, that's, that's disrespecting all that they've put into it, you know? It's yeah. not an immoral thing. Eat the pie.
2: <laughs> uh, Ethan. Do you yeah. would you drink coffee that someone has offered to you that is basically just dirt water? <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: yes, I do it frequently. <laughs> the prevalence of
2: dirt water in our culture, it is. I, I would too.
0: <laughs> it, yeah, if it comes out of a Keurig. <clears throat> No offense, it's, <laughs> I've never I've never had good coffee out of a Keurig. No. And usually when you go to someone's house, they're like, "I have coffee." And you know, I'm at the point in my life where I understand they're probably not making me a pour-over right then and there. So, I yeah, I will absolutely I'll absolutely drink it. But <laughs> they're like, "I have
1: coffee." And you're like,
0: "Yeah, right." <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, I think we can take that a little too far. Food is one of like, you guys are like hitting all of like the things I'm passionate about. And <laughs> I, I love food and I will, there is no amount of money that I would not spend on food. And I've eaten a lot of food and I'm I'm always down to try things once. Right. Mm-hmm. But my mom is also Asian. She's hundred percent. She's from Taiwan, fresh off the boat. And <laughs> If you go to an Asian person's household, you're going to come across something you do not like. Mm-hmm. And it will take everything in you to eat it.
2: Right. <laughs> and mm-hmm. there,
0: there have been times, not not recently, where mm-hmm. I've said, like, I will not eat that. So I think mm-hmm. there can be, especially, you know, Asians have a variety of dishes, so it's not like you're stuck with one thing. Mm-hmm. But I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with turning something away. I think there is a proper manner in which to turn food right. away, but there are uh if you guys ever have the chance to eat like sea cucumber, just don't do it. It's horrible. <laughs> and I had uh there was a sea cucumber that was fermented in soy sauce and it was like eating a rubber tire. It was the altogether unpleasant experience and I would never eat it again if someone offered it to me. Right. <laughs> and I would probably I a, explain like I have a bad experience with this I, I just cannot do it.
2: <laughs> right. I had a similar experience with dim sum one time. Oh no. So, yeah, I mean it wasn't sea cucumber, but it was it was the wrappers that they put around some of those those dim sum pieces and and yeah. a lot of people don't know that, you know, when you think of Chinese food, most of the time, what you are getting is Americanized Chinese food. Yeah, yeah right. Which is right. awesome.
0: It's delicious. <laughs> yeah, oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
2: It is. But when you go to a genuine Chinese place and you get, you know, real Chinese food, dim sum, right? Uh, they bring yeah. out these little platters and has these little pieces of things on them, individually wrapped. And uh, there huh. was this wrapper. It looked like clear gelatin.
0: It's probably and rice.
2: It, I think it was a rice wrapper. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was like moist, like it had been steamed. And you mm-hmm. could see, it was translucent. You could see the stuff inside it. Mm-hmm. So it, I felt like I was eating a Tide Pod. <laughs> <laughs> and well, that I, was a I,
0: challenge just recently. All the teenagers were doing it, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. And I think it was more mental because of how it looked. But one thing, as you were talking, I was thinking of an instance we had with one of my sons. He just cannot eat shrimp. It's not that he's picky about it. He he has tried. He cannot eat shrimp. He he will he will spew. Okay. Yeah. Um. And one time we were down at a pastor's house in Louisiana, mm. and they served shrimp uh, with fettuccine uh, and Alfredo sauce. Wow. Amen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Amen. And I'm all about that. I, I'm I'm all in. But. My one son just doesn't do shrimp. He cannot do it. He will throw up. And like a trooper, he tried.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. no.
2: He tried. And and I was proud of him that he tried. And he was trying to obey mom and dad because mom and dad told him they've made that for you. You should eat that. But then he (laughs) ended up throwing up (laughs) at the pastor's house (laughs) because of the shrimp. So it's like, (laughs) at what point do you say, Mm -hmm. okay, he's not being a picky eater. That's not a bad testimony. There's just something in his gagger that cannot handle shrimp. Yeah. And he has a violent, retching physical response to it. You know, how far do you go with this?
0: Yeah, it's a, well, that's probably a food allergy. He's probably allergic to it
2: no it wasn't it, it's it's really not and and shrimp allergies are usually iodine related to where people will get some mild uh, you know either either like an extreme anaphylaxis or some people get like a mild allergic response like hives or something like that mm-hmm. but it's just that something about the texture and he says it 's all in the texture the texture of shrimp just huh. when you bite down on it and it has that initial rubbery kind yeah. of texture and then it, yeah. your teeth just and then punch through and then it's just <laughs> yeah he just cannot handle the texture yeah how far wow. do you
0: go yeah I'd definitely be like please don't eat that <laughs>
2: well
0: yeah
2: i i think going back to
1: something that uh ethan said that if, if it's not if it's not that you're rejecting the main dish as a whole you know if there's multiple things you know you're going through the table there's six things there and you choose five well, that's not a big deal. You know what I mean? But if somebody makes, and so if, if it's shrimp and you pick the shrimp off the fettuccine and you eat the fettuccine, you know, you can probably slip it over to the guy next to you and he'll eat it just fine. You know, I've been in scenarios dog. like that. <laughs> yeah. You drop it like, oops, I'm sorry. I dropped all of my shrimp on the floor. I'm sorry. Oops. Uh, no, no, don't <laughs> lie. But I mean, um, you know, but, but if they, they bring make you more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if they make spaghetti, I don't like spaghetti, you know, or, um, or something, I seemed like, like some main component or an entire dish, um, you know, or, or, you know, my, do you have, do you have, especially if you have to ask for something else, you know, do you have something else because my child doesn't eat cheese, okay, um, you know. And then it just seems, so I, yeah. I'm sure, I, I guess, to, so, so go, go back to your question. Is there a line? Yeah, I would imagine that there is a line and there is a gracious sort of workaround in some situations. But I think a lot of, a so lot what of about, kids are getting too picky.
2: What about with someone like me? I, I do not eat sugar um, unless it's in a natural form like, like fruit or honey. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, but I, I don't eat sugar. And and it's not because I have some health problem. I'm not diabetic or or something like that. I just don't want to become that way. And I feel better when I don't have sugar, so I don't eat sugar at like ever. Um. So if someone offers me a piece of like you mentioned earlier was a peach pie or something, mm-hmm. you know, is is it okay for me to turn that down and still be a good testimony?
0: Absolutely. I think. Yeah. Can, I'm going to flip I'm going to flip the question. I feel like this is the host's problem because before anybody comes to my house for dinner, I'm asking them and communicating with them. Do you have any food allergies? Mm-hmm. Is there anything yes. you don't want or just don't like? Like I think it's up to the host and perhaps they have the spiritual gift of hospitality and <laughs> you should <laughs> oh, be boy. able to communicate with them and say, "Hey, what do you want? Like you're coming to my house for dinner." I'm not gonna serve you a raw octopus because that's something that I enjoy. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna check out and be like, hey, is there anything you're allergic? First of all, food allergies are all over. <laughs> right? You know, yeah, it's the becoming more of an of issue. Yeah. Dairy free, gluten free, whatever free. I, you know, I'm gonna ask like, hey, brother, like, I heard you don't eat sugar. You know, you know, where did, where's your line on that? You know, if I were to make something and I added. You know, would you prefer I used honey instead of processed sugar or whatever? Mm-hmm. That should be on the host to yeah. figure that out. And if there's Except no I way to bad. communicate, <laughs> <laughs> there should be there should be options. Like, hey, here's a couple different things that I've worked through so that, you know, you can have different options if, you know, I was unable to get a hold of them. Right. There's an in interesting...
1: Sc- go ahead. Okay. Even in that scenario, personally, um, I would say that... Um, refusing a dessert is different than something in the main meal because almost everything, I mean, okay, not almost everything, but there are a lot of recipes, even main dishes that have sugar in them, Mm -hmm. you know? So if they hand out, you know, if they, if they bring out the meatloaf and you're like, does that have sugar in it? You know, yeah, it has a couple tablespoons of sugar in it. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't do sugar. You know, um, I would just eat the meatloaf and say, yeah, I don't, I don't eat sugar. I don't prefer to eat, you know, I don't want to go that way. I wouldn't even bring up the discussion. I would just eat it. Um, because it's not a, an allergy thing. It's not, um, you know, it's not a conscience thing. It's simply a health thing. And I understand that. And sometimes, you know, you have to sacrifice some of that, I would think sitting in front of somebody, but when they offer you a sugar dish for dessert, after you've Mm -hmm. eaten the meal, Say, oh, goodness, wow, I'm, I'm satisfied. Thanks so much. You know what I mean? That there would be a line there that you don't have to be just because you're not being picky doesn't mean you don't have a pick over anything. Yeah. (laughs) Like you can't, you have to take Mm. literally everything in front
2: of you. I have been over here racking my brain as we're talking because I'm almost certain that there is a passage of scripture about this, about (laughs) food being set before you. Okay. Not, not refusing it, not turning it away. Um, mm-hmm. and I just, I can't, I can't hear it in my head. I can't think of where it might be. Um, maybe we can put that to our listeners if you know where that reference is, or if I'm just completely delusional here <laughs> and making up, you know, something out of the book of Hezekiah, um, you know, let me know. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. There, there is no book of Hezekiah for the less. I, don't oh, know, oh, like I want to throw listeners. out it's
0: first <laughs> Corinthians when it. I'm pretty sure when it's talking about meat offered to idols, is it there? And it's, I believe it's like, don't ask where it came from. I could totally be wrong, and I could totally be twisting scripture to fit my viewpoint. Sure. So. <laughs> All right,
1: listeners, listeners, help us out on that. Okay, there it is. First Corinthians ten twenty seven. If uh, any of them that believe not bid you to a feast and you be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no question for conscience' sake. There you go.
2: <laughs> Discussion over. Boom. <laughs> next. <laughs> next. No, no. Seriously, next. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Uh we've right. We've got other listener Keep questions here. Um, this yep. one is also from, or not? I guess the first one wasn't from anonymous necessarily, but this one is from an anonymous listener who. Uh, asks with with Matthew 5.28 involved here. He says, Hello, thank you for your work on this podcast. Jesus said in Matthew 5.28, He that looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Proverbs 5.19 makes it quite clear that after marriage, after marriage, a man is encouraged to look at his wife in a sexual way. Here's the hypothetical question. If I'm looking through old pictures and I see an immodest picture of my wife from before we got married, is it bad if I look at it? This has not happened. I'm just wondering. Thanks. Chirp, chirp, chirp. <laughs> we're, we're all like smiling at each other. I, I, okay. I'm just I'm just going to so, go with it. Just so, okay. look at the picture. It's fine. <laughs> That's right.
1: If, if the question is, is it wrong for me to look at the picture? The short answer. No, no, not at all. No, no. ex wife. post facto. It is your wife. It is fine. Right. You're not. Uh, you're not. Uh, right. Yeah. We could dive into that a little bit, but it's just like, uh, are you lusting after some other woman? No, it's your wife. Um, your and wife. you know her, you know her intimate, more intimately than that picture. So, you know, what's the problem? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Yeah. Boom, that was pretty done.
2: straightforward.
1: Next. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> um, let's see here. I don't know if I want to deal <clears throat> yet with the uh, personhood one. Okay, um, um, so that would take us to could, the lead, and, unless if we if
2: <laughs> we wanted to if we wanted to deal with the personhood one here, I could essentially just read my response to this listener because we are we're kind of backlogged several episodes here, and I wanted to give this listener a response because you know he I figured he what? could kind of use it right away rather than have yeah. to wait till we come out with another episode.
1: Well, and plus I I wanted to kind of formulate a response too, but I can at least. Kind of just see what, yeah, comes right now, and then think about it more. Okay, all right,
2: go ahead. Do you do you want to read the question, and
1: I'll read my response? Sure. He he says, um, Daniel Thomas, as always, I enjoy your podcast. Due to the sensitivity, okay, yeah. Um, says with the recent anti-abortion bill being passed in Texas, I've been seeing some shots fired, quote unquote, among Christians on social media. Nothing new there, but I was a little surprised to see it happening over the abortion issue. Apparently, some Christians don't believe the Bible leads a person to a pro-life position, which... Let me just stop right there and go... (laughs) Um, I I can't. Anyway, uh, apparently, some Christians don't believe the Bible leads a person to a pro-life position. It leads... Led me to this question Does the Bible definitively teach the personhood of the baby in the womb? Recently, my wife was listening to a video of a woman who was saved, came out of the abortion industry. I believe that this woman was a doctor. Her eyes were opened when she realized that the Nazis, whom her father fought in World War II, had justified their mass murder by taking away personhood from the Jews, Mm -hmm. much like the abortionists of modern times have denied personhood to the baby in the womb. So does the Bible clearly teach this? I've watched Christians on social media deny the merits of the usual verses such as Jeremiah 1.5, etc. Which is what, before, I, before you were born, I knew you, I called you, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, explaining it away as applicable only to Jeremiah and God's call on his life. I believe the Bible is clear on this issue, but I want to do some further study for myself because I think if the personhood of the developing child can be biblically proven, It cuts to the chase on this issue. Yes. So there's the anonymous question there, or wanted to remain anonymous, regarding, um, let's see, go back to the, does the Bible definitively teach the personhood of the baby in the womb?
2: Yes. And that is, that does really cut to the quick with the question, Mm -hmm. because I don't think really anyone debates that it is a life in the womb. Is just that those who are pro-abortion debate the personhood of that life. Is it a human person? And if we can prove, at least to Christians who would be kind of waffling on the issue, if we can prove that the Bible does teach personhood in the womb, discussion over. Um, so here's my response to our anonymous listener. <clears throat> uh, good question. We'll have to tackle that soon. Uh, but we are backlogged a few episodes. So I'll offer my two cents now. As to Jeremiah's personhood in the womb, for them to suggest that the verse is only about his call is to miss the words thee and thou that are used of him in the womb. Who was being called in the womb? Jeremiah was. It was him. This infers continuity of identity from before birth to after can birth. I, can I interrupt you just a second?
1: Yes. So what you're saying for those... Uh, listening, to, I guess, just to kind of what what you're highlighting is not just that uh, God said I knew you, but that it's that I knew you, and it was the same you that was born after that was present prior to birth. It's the same Correct. you, so it's the same person. Okay.
2: Yes, and this is something I call continuity of identity. Um, yes. And, and I wrote here, continuity of identity from before birth to after birth is the proof of personhood. I don't understand how they can dismiss that. The same could be said of David in Psalm 51.5. The tiny word, I, there, is majorly important. Not only does he refer to what was in his mother's womb as himself, he even noted that his sin nature was already present then. According to Romans 5, only human persons have a sin nature, again, proving personhood of the unborn. The Bible refers to pregnant uh, women as with child, quote unquote. I'd say that makes the Bible's take on personhood pretty succinct. <clears throat> In Exodus 21, through 25, killing the unborn was a capital crime, the same as murdering an adult, again implying the unborn are human persons. Uh, runners up include Psalm 127 and verse 3. Uh, in Hebrew parallel fashion, there it refers to the fruit of the womb as children Galatians one mm-hmm. fifteen Paul notes that being <clears throat> that the being that was in his mother's womb was he himself again, continuity of identity. same for John the Baptist in Luke one verse fifteen, the psalmist in psalm one thirty nine verses thirteen through sixteen, and Job in job three verses two through three. This is all continuity of identity from conception through the womb, through birth and into adulthood. Uh, Mary and Elizabeth were said to be with child at the moment of conception. Uh, the Bible's repeated use of continuity of identity makes personhood of the unborn undeniable. Uh, these references are definitive enough for me. If these don't satisfy the Christian who denies the personhood of the unborn, I think something else is wrong. Hope that helps for now.
1: Um, <clears throat> I would say that um, the, with his, looking for the um, issue of personhood is where you might run into a little trouble just from something that I read that because the the battles being taken to personhood, because that's more malleable as a term. um, And this may segue into our next question, but Saying, well, personhood um, maybe implies a personality, and that's not until it's further developed because an embryo doesn't have a personality or whatever. So we can kind of stuff the the term person with meaning that can um, help one side or the other. Where if we just say it's a human being, that's what that thing is it's a human being that God created mankind as a human. And it reproduces after its kind. And so, at conception, another one of the same is created. You know, it's a human being. But to call it a person uh, and to try to find the personhood in there, um, you know, some of what you're saying, um, I can't remember the one passage, uh, you know, it's talking about children or, um, you know, fruit of the womb or whatever. But still, they're going to define, well, personhood means that and then they'll argue on that or if you just say, well, if it's not a human being, what is it? Mm-hmm. Um, and as, and as Matt Walsh, who defends, you know, pro-life very well, I feel like, you know, he, <clears throat> I'm probably saying some of what he said, you know, if it's not a human being, what is it? And if it's not, if it's not human, then why is there any agony over the decision whatsoever? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's because of that conscience that, uh this this is a life you know Mm -hmm. what kind of life is it well it has to be human life so to me partly the logic and the science tie into it so much but yes it's built on the biblical concept that the creator god created humans and he created them uniquely in creation you know with a body and a soul and that they reproduce after Mm -hmm. their kind just like everything else does so if you can say well obviously that's the reproduction uh, sure. And so, if it's a human reproducing, well, what's it reproducing? It's reproducing a human. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I I agree with you on the continuity of identity that that is present prior to. But I think when we put the term person to it, that's maybe where, and, and it's not that we're using it wrongly per se, but that might open the door to further debate in how you define person. Like, Well, it's a human, yeah, but right. well, it's then not it's just a person
2: that- yet. Then it's just a debate of terms, at which point I think the argument is different. Um, you know, the, the question is basically, does the Bible present the personhood of the unborn in the most sensible, logical, basic understanding of what a human person is? The answer to that is yes. Yeah, again, you're
1: going to have to define <laughs> your term person. But I mean, you're just saying, but I think the continuity of identity, what you said was a good point is to right. say the same Jeremiah that was alive at 30 years old was the same Jeremiah that was pre-birth.
2: Right. Well, I mean, don't forget, too, our listener is writing within the context of Christians debating the personhood of the unborn, um, which Christians tend to have, of course, the view that a human person is a living soul. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like like how Adam was uh, in the beginning. God breathed into him the breath of life and man became a living soul. Um, Mm -hmm. We would argue that a human person is a living soul which you know then the christian would have to debate well when is the soul imparted to the conceived being <laughs> right mm-hmm. uh and and where did it come from and and that's that's an entirely different discussion is what i mean so
1: you mean that the 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 discussion on human like the soul is a separate discussion or what
2: yeah i think it's a separate discussion in fact if if god finished creation on day 6 then, is the soul of a human being created in them in the womb in a sense a, a new creation, or was that material that soul-ish material? I guess you couldn 't call it material properly. Where did that come from <laughs> um, and And different theologians take different views, essentially saying all of the souls of all mankind was bound up in Adam at the beginning, and uh, I don't know that I have a okay. view of that necessarily um, but you know that that's that's another discussion. And, and I don't know if okay. we want to okay. crack open that can.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, good. Um, so we uh, slide that one over. Thank you, Anonymous number two, for that question. I love talking about uh, life and defending life <clears throat> from the mass murder uh, in our culture. Mm-hmm. All right. Do we want to um, jump into uh, our lead here? Yes. All right. Let's see here. Uh, this was uh, a while back. Somebody said, uh, to me, one of the, the difficult aspects of personality classification for Christians is when we start to mix spiritual gifts into the, into the equation. I would be interested to hear your take on this. Are personality and a person's spiritual gift related or two totally independent things, or are they the same thing? Good question, Nathan. All What's right, Nathan. Nathan?
0: <laughs> They're totally independent.
1: <laughs> Ooh, because totally, okay.
0: if they were tied together, um, I'd like to refer to your Enneagram episode, which in my mind is one of my favorites because mm. I run into that more than probably anything else. Really? Teenagers, teenagers love it. Um, oh, yeah. Mm. And it's kind of up there with like a horoscope in the newspaper now. Like this type of, are you a, all these letters and numbers? <laughs> like right. I don't know. But one of the points you guys brought up is personality changes. Mm. And you can change your personality. If you looked at me in high school, you would say, I have a totally different personality. Mm. Um, personality, as we call it, can change after salvation. You know, if someone lives a certain life, you say, oh, they're, you know, that, that kind of person. Salvation can change that. Hmm. Um, spiritual gifts only refer to post salvation. I don't know how far you want to get into this, but like I said, I'm really passionate about this. Um,
2: (laughs) no, that's an interesting thought.
0: And Hmm. I think they're totally, they have to be totally independent because I've seen, um, you know, let's take the gift of evangelism. I've seen people use, and when I say evangelism, I mean like sharing the gospel, sharing the word of God, people with totally different personalities. Yeah. Both right. exercising that gift to, you know, in a manner that I would say is like, wow, you know, that appears to be their gift. That right. is something that it looks like, you know, God has, you know, given them a special gift in that way. And I think we can get in trouble if we start tying spiritual gifts to personality types. Hmm. And we end up either forcing a personality on somebody. Or forcing a spiritual gift on someone that they may not have that point I, I hate i hate I might get cancelled for this. I hate spiritual <laughs> gift tests I hate spiritual gift tests like I hate the enneagram like i don't I don't need this quiz to tell me what gift I have mm. <laughs> like mm. like to me that's for people who don't exercise their gift or try to do anything at all and or I definitely who just s-
2: or, or people who just like. Doing things that are about themselves, you know, it, it can be an exercise in, in <laughs> yeah,
0: self-aggrandizement.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. What, what flower am I like in my personality?
0: Yeah. What, what, what Star Trek what character Disney am I? Disney like? princess I- am <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I could definitely see where people would mistakenly connect certain personality traits to what they perceive to be certain gifts. For instance, uh, like you say, the gift of maybe prophecy or the gift of, you know, somebody who is more of an evangelist. Oh, that's always the type A, aggressive, confrontational. So, if you're a type A, boom, you're a prophet, right? Or you're very likely a prophet. No, no. Um, and, and so, I agree with you on that. I think you make a good point <clears throat> that you, uh, in essence, always have personality as a person. Um, Even back into the womb. No, I'm kidding. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) um,
1: uh, You always have personality, but if a spiritual gift is given to you by the Holy Spirit as a believer, then obviously it has to come later and thus it's unique, it's different. Um, And yet they're parallel in in, in one way, but go ahead and uh, Tom, you go ahead.
2: No, I was thinking it's almost like they can't be related to personality, which is to some degree, innate, some aspects of personality, I think, are are innate. And and the whole debate of nature versus nurture can maybe maybe come in there if people really wanted to. But mm. we're, we're in 1 Corinthians 12, which I think is one of the premier passages on spiritual gifts. At the very mm-hmm. end of the passage, uh, he says, but covet earnestly the best gifts, <laughs> right? Mm. Which would almost imply oh. it's something that maybe you could develop. If you desire to exercise a certain gift in a certain way, that you could develop it like a skill. You could covet after it. You could want it in a way. Am I wrong? um, I would give a different angle
1: on that verse. Uh, It's interesting um, in that 1 Corinthians 12, 31, when he says, but covet, in the original, the Greek word can either be, it's the exact same form of word, can either be the imperative or the present tense and I personally take it as the present tense and what he's saying is you covet earnestly the best gifts he's st- he's making a statement of fact not a command he's saying here's what you guys do and yet I show you a more excellent way you guys are looking at all the best gifts and going I want that one I want that one I want that one mm-hmm. and now it still may go to your point but I don't think he's commanding them you guys ought to covet the best gifts now instead he's saying this is what you do you covet the best gifts but I'm going to show you a better way. Does that make I sense? See.
2: So you think there's more, more, um, more cause to interpret it as uh, a statement of yes. fact as opposed to an yep. imperative, and you think that comes right out of the grammar?
1: Uh, it is certainly consistent with it. it. The same form could be either imperative or present in that particular instance. I mean, in that of the, for that, yeah, well, the same form of the word. I see. So, so what, it wouldn't be spelled any differently. So, so what you just basically have to pick which form of it you want. No, I would say what's, yeah, yeah, but what's (laughs) most consistent, I think, um, so, and and speaking of, speaking of their attitude throughout, (laughs) you know, they were obviously carnal and wanting, you know, kind of self-serving in the thing. Uh, So, it's very consistent that they would be choosing, obviously, what would be best for them and what they think, perceive would be the best. I Um, see. So yeah, he's making the contrast that uh, you do this and yet, I'll show you this. Okay. Yep.
2: That, that makes sense. That makes sense.
1: Okay. But it doesn't necessarily negate the point that you're saying it, it appears that uh, they were pursuing certain gifts. Um, and yet he makes the point just one verse earlier, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret the implied answer. And again, I believe this is in the grammar itself. The assumed answer is no, mm-hmm. they don't. Uh, that's the way it was designed. So it's, and, 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 and as, in some ways, it's almost like they couldn't be. If the Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit didn't make all apostles or, or excuse me, give all the gifts of healing, if he didn't give all the gift of tongues, then they can't. Mm. It's like not like I can say, well, the Holy Spirit didn't give it to me, but I'm going to pursue it and get it anyway. Right. Mm, No, because it's a gift of the Spirit. (laughs) Um, So, and he gives to every man separately as he will, as he desires.
2: But that's not to say that people can't work outside of their spiritual gift. Yes, um, and that was going to good. I
1: was going to bring that back around to say what, uh, and and a friend uh, introduced this thought to me here a few months back. Uh, but what is, and maybe he didn't say it exactly like
2: this, but what is the point of a spiritual gift? I would say just kind of off the top of my head is to to serve others, to minister, okay, in the body.
0: Yeah, okay. I, I believe it's your relationship to other believers in the body and. Yeah. Just, just because we are a body, different members have different functions
2: yeah um, mm-hmm.
0: and God and God is intelligent and you know designed our bodies to function in different ways, and he right. designed the church body to function in different ways, right and the hands and the fingers will do something different from the feet, and he has equipped
2: right. those so,
0: members to do those things.
2: Th- if I could throw in maybe somewhat can, of a uh, can, uh, before you do, can I, can
1: I finish that thought out?: Oh yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so if, uh, yes, it, it is, um, you know, to, to interact with the body, but let's say in the gift of teaching, if I have the gift of teaching, and I believe I do, um, what is, does is, is that mean then that only I should teach because I have the gift of teaching or does my gift not only serve to serve the body, but also to serve as an example to everyone else of how to teach better? So that they, though may not have the gift of teaching, if you will, um, can teach better because that's something that they should be doing anyway. They should Mm -hmm. be influencing other people and communicating their faith and truth. And now seeing the person with the gift, uh, you know, take it another way, the person with the gift of mercy or the gift of giving, they not only do that ministry, but they also teach us how to do it by being an example. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. So, what I'm saying is that we're then growing in all of these areas as we see people who are gifted to where it becomes a little less apparent what our gift is. Mm -hmm. because we're becoming better teachers and better givers and better merciers
2: and better. Sure. You know, all of them. And and, and that's kind of what my, my, you know, oddball question was going to be is essentially if the highest aspiration of the Christian in practicality is to be like Jesus. What was Jesus spiritual gift? (laughs) (laughs) All of them.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And that that is why yeah. I despise spiritual gift tests because they get <laughs> they get their answer. They're like, I have the gift of, you know, helps. I'm, I'm a helper and yeah. I will not do anything else. Right. And they're they're, mm, they're they stuck. use it as a limiter. Yeah, they're stuck in this rut of, oh, I'm sorry, that's not my spiritual. gift, And I've literally heard those words. Wow. And then you go yeah. back to what's the difference between being a Christian and obeying God <laughs> and your spiritual gift? Because you say, I'm really just not an evangelist, you know, so I will no longer share the gospel because that's clearly not my spiritual gift.
2: Yeah. It's like, yeah. well,
0: no, that's still a command in the Bible. You still have to do that. And hmm. that is something you can work on. You know, if you yes. asked me 10 years ago, I would have said, "I I had never knocked a door. Until college, because the church I grew up in just didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And man, I was bad at it. (laughs) But over years of knocking doors, you learn how to communicate. You learn how to talk. You learn, you know, to look at different people's personalities and, you know, work with their personality to share the gospel. And I could easily have said, "Uh, not my gift. I can't do this. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to go back to being a helper. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Hmm. And so, and God was gracious enough to give people gifts to give us examples of how to do that thing better that we're all supposed to be doing anyway. Hmm. Um, Now, now even with personality, so, so I think there's a distinction there that we're saying spiritually, we should be trying to grow into the mature, complete whole man that, um, uh, which would mean that we exercise different functions and capabilities in a mature way, you know, even if it's not our gift, um, with personality, that may not ever be the case where we're, nobody can tell what our personality is because you're just sort of like nebulous. You're just like everything, right? (laughs) Well, um, no, I don't know. I don't know that it's quite, what do you think? I don't think it's, it's quite as divisible that way. Uh, to say it's still going to be more apparent, and that's not a bad thing, what your personality is, that you just sort of perceive things a certain way um, and your responses mirror that. Or do you think it's going to become harder and harder to tell a mature Christian's personality?
2: Hmm. That's an interesting thought. I kind of would say the latter, you know, off the okay. top of my head, that that as someone matures, it might be harder to tell what personality type they are, maybe. Because, I mean, yeah, they are in a sense, you know, if someone's not a Barnabas encourager, you know, son of consolation type, you know, they're more of a a Paul, more of a straight up kind of, a, you know, mission oriented, you know, get the job mm-hmm. done type mentality. If, if, they're, if they're learning to be a Barnabas also, um, you, you might see them doing both of those things and wonder which they are. It might become less apparent.
1: Hmm. All right, maybe we'll leave that to our listener and say, "Can personality <laughs> yeah. change?" But again, I think we're we it it seems obvious to us that personality and spiritual gifts are two different things, and yet I think they're parallel in that uh, the same God who made you made your personality and made and gave you a you know and 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 upon salvation gives you a spiritual gift um, and as you develop and mature and grow the Lie, you know, the liabilities of your personality should lessen, mm. you know, in other words, so well, I, I'm just a hot tempered guy. So that's, well, no, 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 you should be growing spiritually, which should affect your personality. And at right. the same time, you should be growing spiritually, which will affect your outworking of things that aren't even your gift. So, uh, there is a parallel because the same God gave you all of it to, to create a whole person that's, uh, yeah. e- equipped to every good work.
2: Well, and you kind of sparked something else I was thinking recently about Moses, um, because you think about his personality was, in a sense, useful um, to the spirit of God, but also useful to his flesh if he used it wrong. (laughs) Um, Because you see this very strong character um, who was willing to literally not fear the king of Egypt. I mean, very strong (laughs) character. killing somebody and burying him in the sand. (laughs) Right. But at the same time, he loses his temper with the children of Israel and disobeys the Lord and so on from, with the exact same temperament, if that makes sense. Mm. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's, it could be a similar scenario for the Christian today, that if the spirit of God is in control of your temperament, he can use that temperament for good things. But if you let your flesh get a hold of that mm-hmm. temperament, bad things happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. And yet it's the same temperament. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I was going to,
1: I was going to throw this to Ethan, you know, as far as how people probably uh, pigeonhole personalities to spiritual gifts. And you think about Moses um, and, you know, and then you think of the boardroom, you know, where you're supposed to be brash and stomp on people and show them that, you know, you, you can, you can hold your own and blah, blah, blah. You can be the leader of this corporation. And then Moses is the meekest man. (laughs) <laughs> you know, <laughs> he controls his, his strength more than anybody. And like, well, I don't know that I would exactly pick. I mean, I guess what you're mm-hmm. saying, Thomas, he was a strong man. Yes. Um, and yeah, he, he learned to be under control after a point. Yes. Yeah.
0: But if, I mean, I, I preached, I actually preached through essentially like a spiritual gift type thing through the life of Moses. Hmm. Hmm. And I was like, can you imagine being Moses and going around and be like, hey guys, I turned all of the water in Egypt into blood. Like, hey guys, I uh, I split the Red Sea. Have you ever seen something like that before? Like, that was me. <laughs> and, like, his personality could have, he could have had like the biggest head in the world and mm. nobody could mm. say anything about it. Mm. Uh, he's like, you know, I led a couple million people who really didn't want to come with me <laughs> through a wilderness. Like, I watched food rain from heaven to feed them. But I was like, you know, whatever his spiritual gift was, in like leadership or whatever, I was like, there still is a measure of a ton of other things he had to do. Clearly, his gift wasn't administration because his hmm. father-in-law had to come up to him and say, hey, you're burning hmm. yourself out. You're, you're hanging on to too much. And right. I was like, he had, he had shortfalls. He had issues. He had problems. But one of the things that I really try to focus on, and my pastor just preached a message on it, is making sure God has your strengths. He says, a lot of times we like to give God our weaknesses. Like, I'm really weak in this area, you know, help me. But we hang on to our strengths and we say, I'm good at this. I got this, God. I, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And Moses could have hung on to those things and said, yeah, I think he kind of did when he hit the rock instead of speaking to it. That was mm-hmm. his strength. I've done this before. I can hit this rock and water will come out. And he hadn't mm-hmm. given that up to God. But, you know, we could go look at Moses' life and say, You know, he could have walked away at this point. He could have said, I'm staying in the desert with my wife, tending my father-in-law's sheep. He's like, I will, I imagine that was a fairly comfortable life for him. Going back to Egypt was going to be uncomfortable. Leading Mm. the children of Israel through the wilderness, that was going to be uncomfortable. Mm. But he chose to exercise his spiritual gift. He didn't keep it to himself and say, you know, I'm I'm staying out here. He exercised Mm. it. He used it. He worked it. Regardless of his personality, he, you know, he's like, I, I have a stutter, you know, I I can't speak. And, you know, God helped him through all those things, all of his personality excuses Hmm. until Moses came to the realization of God's given me a job to do and I'm going to exercise my gift to accomplish that that goal.
1: Amen. Good. Good. I think that's a great note to finish on.
2: I was thinking the same thing.
1: (laughs) Yes. I don't put a bow uh, on it. (laughs) <laughs> yep. Uh, we want to uh, again thank our, our our patrons, especially thank all of those that are listening, and hope you've enjoyed this conversation. And, and know that we always like to hear your feedback. Maybe it's a question that you've got. Maybe it's uh, a, a thought regarding something that we talked about today. You um, you have a different take on it, or maybe something we left out, or whatever it is, reason together podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. That would be great. Uh, We dealt with largely today, listener questions, and we'd like to deal with more. So uh, reason together podcast at gmail.com.
2: Well, thank you again for being with us on this episode. And thank you to Ethan from the take the coffee podcast. You want to just really plug that one more time real quick. (laughs) I know you did last time.
0: Yeah, this is the whole reason I invited myself back on was just in case I I didn't hit that last. (laughs) No, I'm a a friend of mine, Pastor TJ uh, and I, we host the Take the Coffee podcast. We interview missionaries, pastors, uh, people serving the Lord, using their spiritual gifts in a variety of different ways, (laughs) uh, whether in full-time ministry or not. And we mm-hmm. get their perspectives on ministry, things that they've done in their life. And also kind of it, we like to focus on advice that's changed their life and kind of what got them mm-hmm. to where they are. So it's, we have really good uh, casual conversations, kind of like this podcast, uh, really focused on encouraging people to go into ministry or be a participant in their local church. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find us at uh, Take the Coffee. You can find us at Take the Coffee Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram if you're interested in uh, checking us out, or you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts.
2: All right. Well, thank you for being with us, Ethan. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us again. We are encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together.